All right. Hello, Denim Heads, and welcome to the seventh Hangout with the Sons of Selvage podcast, the first Hangout in 2021. This is a new podcast where a group of friends get together to talk about denim, menswear, and related interests. We aim for this to be a fun and inclusive podcast where you feel like you're hanging out with longtime friends, but be warned, there is a bit of banter uh, and explicit language. Um, this episode, we're going to do things a little bit different than we have before. We're going to do current interests to start. Uh, a little bit of news, but we're actually going to do Q&A before the discussion topic this time. So we're going to save the headline act for the end. Um, and this episode's discussion topic is going to be about 2020 reflections and 2021 sort of aspirations or hopes. So we'll talk about favorite moments from 2020, the biggest letdowns, how we got through the year, and also like what we're excited for in 2021 and any kind of other predictions. Um, so let's kick things off uh, and get right into it. I'm David. Hi, I'm Andy. Hi, Alexis here. Hey, it's Kevin. I'm Ilya. And it's Tom last. <laughs> uh, I guess I can kick things off. Um, I've obviously been playing a bit more video games recently than normal uh, on the Switch. Um, and I've been kind of on a Metroidvania kick. So like the sort of genre of video game that's kind of inspired by Metroid and Castlevania. Um, so I've played two, uh, both pretty awesome. Um, one's called Ori and the Blind Forest. Uh, which I think is the first of the two Ori games. Um, and the second one was uh, Guacamelee. Um, and uh, that was pretty cool. Um, it's great to kind of go back and have a fun button masher, uh, you know, jump around, shoot around, get power-ups, get stronger as you go kind of video game. Uh, and I think both of those are multi-platform like Xbox and Switch. I'm not sure if they're all on the PlayStation, but uh pretty solid games and um yeah i don't know anybody else into the whole metroidvania genre i never I'm really not. have taken the plunge into it no uh, it's no. always something that's interested me uh, i do have a switch so <laughs> maybe i should try one yeah, I, I haven't played it myself either but um recently my friend lent me his uh, game boy advance um, love it <laughs> so i've been i've been playing uh, mario uh, Mario World with uh, with my son and uh, teaching him the ways. Awesome. Yeah, I, I like the Metroidvania genre because it's like the games are usually really hard. Uh, they they take quite a lot of like complicated button mashing to like jump across a certain thing or to like shoot a dude in the right way. Uh, and the idea that you like unlock new powers and get like tougher as you go and and more 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 powerful and can sort of like kill bosses you couldn't kill before, like go to areas you couldn't reach before is, is quite quite rewarding. Um, and since they're both indie titles, they're pretty cheap to, to get on any of the platforms and they often go on sale. But uh, yeah, it's definitely kind of scratching that like old school, you know, Super Metroid vibe, old school kind of Castlevania vibe from uh, childhood. It's uh, having a lot of fun with that. Um, Kevin, what you been up to here? Um, so I've picked up reading a little bit recently. Um, so I've just finished uh, another book, which is called The Diamond Age by Neil Stevenson. It's like a sci-fi book, like a coming of age book of a little girl called Nell. Um, and she gets like, a, like it, it's set in a, in a world where everything's um, made up of, uh, made out of nanotechnology. So everything's like super tiny and super fast and things like that. Uh, but she's got this book, um, which is kind of like connected to the internet, 
Um, and on the other side of the book, you've got actors who play out the characters in the book. Um, and then while she reads through the book, like the book is has blank pages as well. So the story evolves around the person that actually reads it. Um, yeah, and, and the book teaches her all these kind of things about life and, and stuff like that. Um, and there's a few other stories um, that go through it as well. Um, but it, it was it was all right. It was not the best. I've read other books of him, which were which were better. I thought, um, but it was it was still still pretty good. But I finished that one. So in anticipation of the movie June that's coming out, um, I've bought the book um, for June as well. So I'm going to start reading that next. Um, so I don't necessarily know particularly too much about it. I don't know exactly what the plot is of June. Um, I've seen a little bit of the trailer of the movie, um, but not everything either. So I'm just I want to keep it a little bit, keep away from it as well so that I don't know too much about it. Um, I've heard it's, it's a good story. So um, are yeah, you going to read the book first and then watch the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. that's, yeah. that's yeah. the plan. I don't think it's been delayed a couple of times. So I, I think I'll have time, time for it as well. So yeah, definitely want to try it and get the book done before the movie. Yeah, for sure. It's, yeah, it's a great book and, and reads really quickly. So you should be able to get it through. Yeah. Yeah, my mate's bought it for me and it's still sitting around, so I need to get around and read that. Um, (laughs) Obviously, I'm into like Warhammer and a lot of the lore in that is based on June because, you know, June's kind of really, really classic sci-fi. So, Yeah, I did the audio book probably like three, four months ago and it was was fantastic because I've tried to read the paperback probably like three or four times in my life and I never get past page 100. So it's like it's a little bit slow to start, so be, be ready for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a, I recommend there's a podcast called, uh, infinite worlds. Uh, it's a science fiction podcast and they did one episode dedicated to Dune or maybe two episodes where they basically like geek out about it. But, um, it, it could be worth a listen if you want to kind of get some of the, the, the framing of the story. Um, interestingly, the whole plot is based around OPEC and like oil in the middle East. Um, so if you read a bit about OPEC and like the whole middle East kind of, oil yeah. situation in like the 50s and 60s like that's essentially the setting for the book but yeah right. sci-fi mm-hmm. all right cool thanks for that i'll have a look into that yeah awesome all right tom what have you been up to uh just you know i've been working painting little toy soldiers mostly uh in my spare time you know how it is um i got my freewheelers um cpo shirt for christmas which is beautiful um, it's like done in a black canvas instead of the uh, wool, which is really nice. Um, it just like, I, I don't get along with wool at all. <laughs> like the smallest bit of wool of me and I'm just like itching everywhere. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I've also ordered uh, a vintage B9 Parker jacket, um, which should be coming from America at some point. So it looks absolutely beautiful with like the mutton fur on the inside of the hood to keep you warm. Um, so that's, I think, going to be my new winter jacket. Um, and bought a nice little Henley long sleeve T-shirt from Simon James Cathcart, which uh, should come as well. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's really what I've been up to. Not very much. Uh, you know, can't do much in lockdown. So <laughs> that's about it. How about you, Lex? Oh, cheers, Tom. Uh, so, again, yeah, not a lot's been happening because we are stuck in lockdown. But uh, like uh, Kevin, I've going to talk books because uh, 
I think um, I think I mentioned on here before I'm doing my master's. Uh, so my regular nine to five is uh, a lecturer at London College of Fashion. So as part of that, I'm currently doing my master's in teaching. So, of course, I am using this excuse to um, basically write about denim and denim education. And as part of that, I have to do a literature review, which involves reading every single book on denim. But because the libraries are closed because of lockdown, meaning I've basically been buying them. So I've had a constant stream of books on denim. So I've had some really interesting ones come through like the last month or so. Um, I think so. One, I've got a book called Sewing Jeans by Joanna Lundstrom. Um, this is just showing it to the guys. Uh, this one is basically a step-by-step -step guide for jean making, but for home sewers. So it doesn't have the industrial techniques that I would use here in my studio or like professional would use. But if anyone at home uh, want to learn how to make a pair of jeans on a domestic sewing machine, I would uh, recommend this book. I'll get photos of them on the Instagram. Um, another one. Oh, I've got or got recently was, oh, um, I don't know if you guys know about the Warn publications, um, but the Warn publications are a set of books done by the uh, Vintage Showroom in Central London, um, and I've got their set of uh, books, and they're just full of uh, images of like beautiful vintage pieces from their collection. Um, again, the books are quite expensive; they cost, I think, it's three for a hundred quid, but. Again, highly recommended for a set of books. Um, and then finally, what else have I got? Oh, and then I've also got one, um, the Orslo, the brand Orslo, they've got a book and it's got images from their archive. Again, maybe not as exciting as the other ones, but they've got some nice pieces. Yeah, so that's based, so I go on Tom. Looks really good, the Orslo books. Um, yeah, I'd recommend of the ones I've bought, I'd say the Warm publications are really, they've got some really, really beautiful images in there. They are quite expensive, but, um, but they're really nice books, but I've now, it's amazing how many books you, one person can have on denim. Um, my girlfriend doesn't quite understand why every week when a new book comes through, what it could possibly say. Um, but there's some really nice books up there, but I'll put them onto the Instagram stories uh, or the Instagram page so people can look. So the Actually, one help. series um, really makes me laugh a bit because when I worked at Black Horse Lane, uh, we, did a, we did a photo shoot for one of the issues of Warren. Um, and like I wore my cowboy boots and like my favorite Western shirt, my black horse lane jeans, like all the stuff. I got really amped up for the photo shoot and like Han and I did the photo shoot together and I was like so chuffed to be in a magazine and like every single picture of me was cut. Oh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I was like, yeah, we got the magazine, Han. And I showed it to him. I'm like, oh. uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe Han kept them. Maybe you can ask for them. <laughs> well, I just, I wasn't like, in it. So picture. it's like, yeah. but, but he was in it, which is, which is cool. That was sad. Sad <laughs> Yeah, I've also recently got some books. Um, I got the the two Levi's um, 501 uh, XX jean book and the denim jacket book um, by um, Utaka from Berber Gin. Um, and so I've finished the uh, the denim book and I've just I've got a couple of pages left on the on the jean book, which I didn't pick up when it first came out. Um, and Lex, if you, if you do need to, uh, if you want to borrow one of those, uh, let me know. And uh, we, it's it's got both. It's got Japanese and English translation um, mm. side by side. So, yeah. I've been, uh, yeah, I've been tempted to buy them, but I've just not quite been able to bring myself to spend 200 plus quid on a couple of books. Um, but I might at some point. Are they, are they worth splashing the money out on? 
Uh, well, for me, the the denim jacket one was uh, was definitely worth it because the, the imagery is uh, really really good, and then it also goes into the differentiations between the, the jackets and the periods. Um, so and how to you know how to identify certain um, um, signatures from from those uh, time periods. So um, yeah, I, I would say it's uh, it's definitely worth it if you're if you're into that kind of thing. It's crazy how like in depth you can get, even though you think it's like kind of one style of jacket, you know, there's like certain different types of stitching on one year and then they change the thread another year. So it, yeah. it's surprisingly in depth. So I looked at the book and I was like, how much can they really write about <laughs> a denim jacket? Uh, but it, yeah, it's mad how. Just... Yeah, it's like, when did they introduce the V-stitch? Yeah. You know, some of the buttons, if they have um, a number and on the back, it means mm. it was made in a particular factory at the time. So, yeah, it, go, it goes very deep into it. So, yeah. Crazy stuff. Um, I've also recently picked up a pair of um, warehouse uh, 1920s triple-stitch cowboy pants, um, which are based on a... Uh, Ali 101 pair, I think, from, from the 20s. Um, quite different to what you normally um, find in the uh, on the 1920s repros because most of them are based on um, on Levi's jeans. Uh, so this is goes a little bit, uh, you know, one of the other brands. Um, yeah, and I just love the uh, love all the detailing. Um, it's got red stitching. Um, on the sides and on the back pockets and uh, yeah it's just very detail heavy um the denim itself is about 13 ounce so it's quite a lightweight option um so yeah and i'll be uh rocking suspenders with them um coming soon so if we're gonna stick on the the theme of books uh i just finished off um american gods finally absolutely stunning book um Really, really excited about season three, which has been released on the on Amazon. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed that book. I, I got warned by a few people that it was going to be slow going um, at first, and it is, but it's just so beautifully written that it's not an issue at all. Um, I've also just picked up the English Heritage Collection by, uh, sorry, English Heretic Collection by uh, Andy Sharp. So this is a, a collection of field writings from a bloke who's big into his kind of folklore and british occult history um i got recommended to me by a couple of mates um and it's i've not started it yet but it kind of from what i've been told it covers uh areas all the way through all around the uk where especially in the 20s when there was a big interest in the occult um it was seen as quite a, a, a fashionable thing to be into there were a lot of ceremonies and stuff going around in various places um where they conducted them uh it's maybe quite wordy um but it's highly uh recommended by people who are into it so i'm going to give it a try um and then the only other thing is i'll show here i managed to pick up uh both issues of the trapped nerve zine uh which is put out by uh my mate nate who is um involved in both uh, dungeon punks and uh he's also the vocalist in the hardcore band rot in hell uh, and it's a big collection of interviews with various bands within the hardcore and the metal scene as well as kind of some of his own personal writings because he's he's into a bit of his um fiction writing and and kind of short stories and stuff so i've had a quick flick through them 
really interesting, really, really good interviews with some fantastic bands, um, you know, and it support all the money that goes towards it goes towards uh, local charities anyway. So, you know, he's a good lad. So one worth to su- supporting. So a quick one for me, uh, did, did a bit of an impulse purchase last night, um, which I've been having on my radar for a while. There's uh, a shirt makers in Houston, Texas called Hamilton Shirt Company. Um, and they've been around since 1883, uh, sewing shirts in Texas. So like mostly like dress shirts and whatnot. Um, but they do like a lot of like, you know, Oxford cloth button downs, uh, flannels, some of those kind of bits and bobs too. So sort of, if you, if you think of like what getting vintage puts out, they're kind of doing a, a lot of shirts of that ilk as well. So sort of Oxford, basically like Oxford cloths and those kind of things. Um, but I grabbed a, a neon green Oxford cloth shirt. Uh, that I've had my eyes on for a long time on on sale uh, at Stag in Austin. Um, but I just thought you and cool. your neon, mate. The oh, love no, never I love ends. It. <laughs> I love it. Neon green and neon yellow. I love it. Did you get your 501s yet? No, I haven't found them uh, yet. The the black and pink ones are like very easy to find, but the black and green ones are, are really tough. Um, but the main reason I wanted to mention it is because, uh, you know, a lot of shirts just aren't made in America anymore. Like, um, Brooks Brothers shut down their factory. Gitman Vintage is downsizing their their factories, but Hamilton Shirt Co has been making shirts since 1883 uh, in in Houston. And if you uh, are in Houston, apparently you can actually go visit their their showroom, which is also their workshop. So you can basically see their shirt making uh, factory, uh, which is really cool. And I just think they're a great company. I've, I've always known about them, but never bought one of their their garments. But uh, you know, made in America, made, uh, come see the factory, et cetera. So if you're ever in Houston, Texas, uh, please make sure to go check out the Hamilton Shirt Co. factory. That's awesome. Maybe one day when we get really big, we go around the world and like visit all these places as a podcast and then, you know, yeah. record a record an episode in those places. Yeah, with all the yeah. machines wearing in the background. That'd be, that'd be sick. Exactly. Yeah, we'll be VIPs and they'll like pay for our airplane tickets. Yeah, and, uh... we need to set up that Patreon, Dave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One day. Cool. All right. Um, yeah, so I um, I picked up um, something which I never thought I would ever buy um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's probably because I'm getting old, um, but I picked up a pair of sandals. Um, oh, you want It's from... <laughs> It's from a, from a Japanese sandal maker called Suikoke or Suikoke. So it's S-U-Y-C-O-K-E. Um, yeah, and they're, they're absolutely amazing. Um, they've got a Vibram Morflex sole um, and a Vibram footbed um, with like really weird like bubbles and stuff in it um, to obviously like form to your foot. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're amazing. Um, I've got them in a navy color. Um, so it's the model Deepa V2 um, in a navy color. I was going for green. I was going to go for green um, initially because I'm like, I've got too much blue already. Like my denim's blue, my jacket's blue. I've got a lot of blue shirts and t-shirts. So I was like, I can't do blue shoes as well, but I just couldn't resist it. It's like a, almost like a petrol navy um the color of it so yeah it's, it's absolutely beautiful um high quality so yeah um i'm getting old bought a bought a pair of sandals those are like mega trendy these days i see that like 
all kind of Trabian selling them hype beast. They seem like they're the hot shit right now. Are you wearing them with socks, Kevin? Uh, I haven't yet. It's too warm for socks here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Embracing a normcore style. Yeah. I, I will. I will one day in winter when it gets to like cool. 15 degrees here. <laughs> they look almost like a more military version of Tiva or something. They do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like yeah, a cool. more, yeah, more, uh, more fashionable, more funky uh, kind of Tiva. Yeah. Uh, I suppose I can quickly jump in. Uh, actually, when, thanks to you guys both mentioning shirting, uh, or especially you, David. Um, yeah, I managed to pick up um, on eBay a flathead flannel for like half price. Um, <laughs> thanks, Tom. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a, a second hand one, but um, it's pretty much good as new. Um, it's one of the ones with the the kind of the cutaway open collar that they do on some of their flannels. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, I know we, we we were discussing who is who makes the better flannel, Ironheart or the Flathead, um, previously, and I'm still up in the air because I've only worn this a couple of times. But it is it is a beautiful shirt, though. Again, I'm going to throw in an outlier on that that Uus as well. So I've yeah. actually owned the Uus Indigo yeah. flannel. Um, like I bought one probably like mm. five years ago from from Rivet and Hyde. And I bought a size three, which is a large, which is yeah. basically like American medium, which is what I normally bought, would buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually sold it on eBay because I found that like it was good in the shoulders, it was good in the arm length, but like at the waistline, it really cut in. And so like the bottom couple buttons had okay. those kind of like pulling lines, you know, like where your shirt like is like too big around your gut or too tight around your gut. But like, you are, know, I don't know. Are you sure you just haven't put on a couple of pounds, mate? I oh, mean, I was still like a 31 waist at the time, so it definitely could have been that little problem. A little bit of a sneaky tire. It's a booty um, stretch. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, but yeah, See, it's I've got like, one and it fits. Yeah, so I've got one in a pattern. four, and it. Yeah. yeah, they might have changed it because the one I've got is is really is is quite boxy. I yeah, um, I find US. I'm wearing um, US now, and I find the fit quite good as well. And I've got a bit of a lockdown beer belly at the moment, so. Uh, have we all? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's there's no there's no pulling on my belly at the moment, so it seems okay. So, and yeah, I also I think it was advertised as like a slim fit flannel yeah. or like a I'm trying to remember, but yeah, it might have just been a different cut. But yeah, I sold it, but I'd love to buy it again. It was such a beautiful shirt in a different fit. So, what you say earlier? Uh, well, I think one thing to think about when judging between the two camps, um, you we are thinking weave pattern. Or is one more mm. complex or better than the other? Um, <laughs> what else? What else were we throwing there? Um, how, how technical are we going on this, mate? I, th- I think we're going technical. I think it deserves it deserves the it deserves the the technical uh, nerdum. Um, yeah, so I think I think the complexity of the the weave uh, the the feel, the hand feel of the the flannel itself, um, cut I guess is uh, is it, not worth because you know we're all built a little bit differently. But you know if you want to uh, judge it on that yeah. as well, you can you, you can base it on that. And um, anything else that you would you you would think to judge it against? I, I don't think thickness is necessarily a 
a good uh, quantifier. No. I'd oh, say man, he's thick. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say construction as well. Construct, how, of course. Of how course, well they match up yep. the um, how much well they match up the check on the side seams? Because actually, my flathead one, the check doesn't match perfectly, and it bugs me slightly. Oh, um, the oh get, see, I'm uh, looking at it now on mine. Yeah, and uh, it's that, pretty see? much perfect. Ooh. Millimeter perfect on uh, my US one. Is that on flathead? Yeah, look at yeah, that. Woo! Is a, a, a Sorry, everyone who's listening will be wondering see. what the hell I'm doing. Or what They're just standing basically up, showing us their armpits. And showing our shirts. <laughs> I, know it's, uh, I know it's sort of contrary to the popular trend of uh, flannels, but I, I really prefer the solid color ones. Like, for me, that's a big selling point. Like, can I get in it just like a solid color? Like, this one's just solid black flannel. Who goes <laughs> everyone goes yeah. quiet. That's just so <laughs> sad. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even savage at you. Actually, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I did look at that. I think it's the US solid indigo one at one point. I was yeah. very tempted, but I've but I've got the 316 um, Western crosscut flannel. That's not a flannel. It's the jersey. Yeah, I will say that something so, special about those ombre uh, flannels, where they have just like the gradation as opposed to the solid blocks. Like I think those are pretty dope in general. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, I nearly, I nearly grabbed one of them. I was very tempted, but I got this instead of an Okayama blind pack as well. I think that's probably the better decision, that's, mate. That's yeah, I was, I was glad. Uh, I kind of glad I did it. Yeah, I mean the only other thing, but yeah, that's it really. The only other thing is I've got a fancy orange strap on my watch now. Strap on. Hey. And, and you what? edit that out, mate. For <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Andy's strapping no, Chris stuff Ward. on. Kevin's strapping stuff on. Jesus. PG oh. guys, PG. <laughs> Next, someone will be pulling out a phone holster. I mean, it's gonna go. What holster? <laughs> <laughs> Over the head on that one. Uh, Next section. Shall we cry? <laughs> yeah, that 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 we ended on a phone. very awkward moment there about uh, people's oh, yeah. proclivities. Mm. Yeah, for some reason that little tiny gun from Men in Black came into mind when Andy said that comment. <laughs> noisy cricket. <laughs> oh, Andy's noisy cricket. So I guess um, <laughs> moving us on to news potentially. Uh, <laughs> um, I see that Filson's uh, launched uh, a gene range. Um, I guess presumably they're they're sewn in Seattle where they make the bags, although I, I don't know that for sure, but they've basically launched um, both washed denim and raw denim jeans. Um, and they're trying to kind of like pitch it a bit as sort of uh, rugged slash workwear jeans. So the whole like notion of like the double fronted, you know, kind of reinforced legs, line back pockets. So it seems like they're doing some cool stuff. I mean, obviously if you're into enthusiast raw denim, there's nothing outside the norm there. But for like someone who's maybe been like a, a big Filson customer and hasn't bought raw denim before, this could be an interesting way for someone to get into raw denim. The, the first one that they've got on the website is such a like a dad jean look, like stonewash, <laughs> super awful. comfy round the booty. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking, oh yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Oh, they got heritage at the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, dad jeans. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, most Filson stuff is for like, Fishing dads. dads? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, their uh, yeah, bags are awesome. Mm. Uh, freaking love Filson bags. You know, they're, they're so well made and they're so functional. Like I've got one of their totes and it's one of my favorite purchases of all time. 
But, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is like Philson's target customer is probably, you know, dude fishing at the lake every Saturday morning, whatever it's sun up. Um, so the jeans seem kind of appropriate for that, that kind of person. But uh, yeah, no, I guess it's kind of cool. I don't know. I, I wonder what mills they use because they just say like for one model Italian and then the next Japanese. It'd be quite interesting to know that. I'd say probably 90% chance it's Candiani. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. they seem to be the biggest operator in Italy, and I think Berto would probably be the ten percent chance if it's not not Candiani. But I'm guessing probably Candiani because their sustainability and their their the size of their business. Um, other bit of news: uh, I was listening to the Stitch Down Shoe podcast, um, and they were interviewing Brett Viberg about kind of all the changes going on in that company. Um, I thought that was quite an interesting episode. I don't know if any of you guys listened to it, but um, yeah, I heard it. If you, it's quite interesting. This idea of like Viberg is, I mean, obviously, you buy, buy a pair of Viberg boots, you're paying 750 US dollars to 1,000 US dollars. Um, and I think historically, they've, well, well, Brett sort of says that they've kind of conveyed themselves as being this really tough, rugged workwear brand. But he's basically now trying to kind of like change it to be more of a proper luxury brand. I mean, not not making things any lighter or less tough, but it's sort of like you're paying a thousand up to a thousand dollars. You want to feel that like you've got a luxury boot, like you would a great pair of Aldens or a great pair of like Crockett and Jones or something like that. So um, seemed like an interesting direction to take the company in. Um, I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that? Well, I think. He's trying to get himself out of the, you know, the rugged box um, that Viberg and a lot of other manufacturers are associated with. Um, it sounds like he wants to grow. He wants to improve quality control on his, on on the boots that they produce, and probably stop doing a lot of the collaborations that they do with um, a lot of the stores, uh, which would make for a better consistent product. Uh, but it does smell of that he wants to push it into a more luxury um, field and, um, you know, probably, you know, make more money off, off of it and be able to put it into different markets that they haven't been able to um, enter before. Um, so it, it's, it's quite interesting and um, he, he wants to do the things the right way. Um, at the end of the day, it just depends on, on the product and how that comes out. Um, so we just have to see whether what he says will come true. Um, because, you know, some of the boots that um, they have been putting out, the, you know, the quality hasn't been great on in terms of construction and for, for what you're paying. Um, um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But I hope, I hope they will stick to boots because I think their trainers are... Uh, um, are quite ugly in my opinion um, unorthodox <laughs> yeah yeah um, words carefully there earlier yeah <laughs> I like it yeah <laughs> um, so yeah I'd, I'd like to see more you know them sticking with uh, service boots and um, other styles of um, of boots rather than trying to enter some kind of luxury uh, trainer market yeah you seem to suggest that um they're also going to decrease their their number of uh collabs i guess they're doing so many collabs at like you know 50 pairs of this 25 pairs of that that is preventing them from kind of achieving the scale they want in general manufacture 
Um, so I thought that was quite interesting too. I know like Alden does a ton of collabs, but apparently they're really, really rigorous about what options you can play with. And so it's like, here's your leathers you can choose from, here's your cuts, here's your lasts. And so the, the, I guess the potential variability of, of new designs is quite low compared to, to, to Vibergs, that, that, which I didn't realize, but that, that was interesting. Um, but on the quality control front, I bought a pair of their service boots probably like five years ago uh, and a black Kermexel. And after like a, a week or two of wear, where you kind of get that bend at the front of the foot, you had like the leather was, um, I forgot the term for it, but the layers of skin start to separate. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a technical term for this, but like I sent a picture to, to Viberg and Brett was like, oh yeah, man, here's a FedEx envelope, send us your boots, we'll make you a brand new pair. Because uh, like that's not good enough for the leather to do that. Obviously, that's Horween's problem, not their problem. You know, they didn't make the leather, but they uh, basically so made me a brand new pair of boots uh, and sent it to me. So like that was, that definitely makes me uh, want to stick with them as a as a customer. But I guess you know they they picked out the leather. They did you know they when they were doing the clicking, they should have picked up that you know. There, there was ah, that's a, a term, yeah, clickers and. So that that you know so that there is a you know. It's good that they replaced it for you, definitely. Yeah, I was almost in tears after spending like 550 pounds on a pair of boots and then them going wrong, but uh, it was really cool that they put it right. All right, so uh, I guess should we jump into uh, Q&A? Let's have a quick look on the old Trello page. Trello. <laughs> Trello. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to look, so I'm looking at the questions. I'm trying I'm to remember which ones we've already answered. So no, here's a good one. Uh, so why are Ironheart jeans so expensive? And that's from Mike Farrell. 005. Yes. Well, I thought I'd just use his name. So why? Tell us. He could be called Dave, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can call me Mike. I think it's a, a mixture. It's, it's a number of things, isn't it? I mean, obviously, to an extent, you have the brand's provenance, which allows them to charge a certain premium. But then, like pretty much all the other Japanese denim brands, the quality of fabric and construction is very, very high, and it's made by people on a who are receiving a living wage. So that's one. They're kind of they're quite key drivers as to why the jeans are expensive. They're not expensive because, like, say, I don't know, Prada or Gucci make expensive jeans because it is purely based on the name and the logo. Even though it's probably, you know, let's be honest, the majority of their stuff is probably made in sweatshops in Bangladesh. Um, you know, they're just making a huge. They're just making profit hand over fist. Ironheart and you know kind of their competitors like pbj and um you know the flathead they're not making a huge amount of profit they're making enough but they are having to pay qualified craftsmen decent wages to get those products done and then the fabric they're getting will come from mills a lot of it will be proprietary fabric so that's expensive as well so it's for me it's a huge it's a huge kind of array of different factors coming in for them having to charge that much. Agreed, Andy. Yeah. yeah. And also, if you're buying it anywhere out of Japan, you'll be paying import duty for whichever country that is. So then that adds on an extra yeah. 30%. Um, yeah. 
I think the question to ask is not why Ironheart is so expensive, but how other brands manage to sell jeans so cheaply. How do how do uh, normal brands manage to get away with selling a pair of jeans for like I don't know forty quid? Um, well, I guess the answer is also they don't pay their staff um, a living mm-hmm. wage, and they do it in uh, unethically in other countries. But um, to to get clothes that are well made um, um, with staff paid a fair wage, you have to you have to pay that money. Really, maybe not quite that much, but <laughs> you do have to pay the money. Yeah, yeah, and one thing to factor in too is um, if you're not a brand that sells direct, you have to, there's basically two different types of markup that happens to your product. So there's, you basically, you pay the factory's production cost. So it costs like, let's say 10 bucks to produce it. And there's a multiplier that you have to apply before you take it to wholesale. And then that's the wholesale price. And then another multiplier from the wholesale price to the retail price. So um, the higher your price point, the bigger the impact is of those two multipliers. So part, part of why Ironheart is so expensive is because they do go through wholesale, uh, hence showing up in shops. Whereas uh, if they had sold direct, they probably could offer it at a lower price. But um, when you go into shops, you just have to kind of play by the rules, so to speak, that everyone goes by. The rule of thumb normally is if a garment sells for a hundred quid, it means it would have cost about 20 quid to manufacture. And I don't know if that works the same in the world of denim as well, but kind of in fashion, that's generally what it is. So, uh, and that's, as you say, with the wholesaler putting their markup and then the retailer putting their markup on top of that. So it's about five times the manufacturing price. There's a lot of yeah. like R&D on the, kind of from the Japanese brands yep. as well. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they use in kind of 1940s, 1950s sewing machines that are used to sewing 12 to 14 ounce denim. They have to then, you know, kind of, get these running so they can sew, you know, in Ironheart's case, like 21 ounce and stuff like that. So it takes, you know, so many, so many goes um, and kind of the right skill sets as well. So they need to hire people with the right skill sets to be able to kind of retrofit these sewing machines to be able to work with that much denim. Um, And then obviously they're researching new fabrics and new dyeing techniques and, you know, cotton from around the world. So there's so much more that goes into it compared to like a high street garment where, you know, some jumped up quote unquote designer goes to a factory in a, you know, Bangladesh or something and goes, Oh, make me a pair of jeans. They go, yeah, they go. <laughs> and there's like no R and D in it. You know, they might give them a pattern uh, and a logo to stamp on, but that's pretty much it. One other thing too, um, I think I heard this on the Denim Hunters slash Denim and Boots podcast. I forgot which which one of the two, because uh, it was the same people. Um, but apparently Ironheart's like in Japan, it's like an actual motorcycle clothing company. Um, I mean, outside of Japan in the Denim Hunter world, it's, or D- Denim Head world, everyone's just kind of like, it's an awesome Denim Head brand. But apparently in Japan, it's like sold to motorcyclists it's bought by motorcyclists and like all their developments are for motorcyclists so like that that may have something to do with it I, I don't know yeah it makes sense i mean their gear is designed to you know effectively you know they, they, they make it as bomb proof as possible and you know there's there's um in a the book denim dudes there's an interview with a dude with a guy in america who swears by their 21 ounce jeans and he said like he he was in a motorcycle wipeout in la and the jeans and the jacket he wore basically protected him because they're that it's that solidly made obviously i'm guessing he's still got some serious bruising 
But um, you know, he's he wasn't cut up or anything like that. They just took the hit. I had a guy come into Son of a Stag and he was like, Oh yeah, I just need like my iron hearts repaired. Uh I was in a motorcycle accident. I was thinking, oh, you know, are they just going to be like completely shredded and yeah. I'm going to have to go, oh, I don't think you can fix them. It was like the tiniest little hole, like on yeah. the side of the leg. And he was like, yeah, I had this like proper like bike jacket on top of me that's like meant to be, you know, safety gear. And it just shredded, like saved his life, but shredded. Yeah. While the iron heart jeans also saved his life. And there was just a tiny little tear on it as he kind of went you know five miles across tarmac so um it, it works <laughs> i really like road biking and when i see the accidents that we have when we're like when we crash our road bikes at 30 40 miles an hour in spandex it kind of makes you wonder like are we going about this wrong because <laughs> you see dudes who like the entire side of their garments are just gone and like yeah. mega mega road rash <laughs> compared to motorcyclists who uh maybe are doing things a bit better I don't think you want to be cycling in like a Canadian tuxedo, though. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Just for protection. Fantastic weight loss thing. It'd be like when people go running in those um, plastic sweatsuits. For sure, definitely. Well, it's just little <laughs> things, right? Like having like pads on the side of the spandex or something, like you know, Kevlar pad- patches or something. I don't know, but. It seems like we're we're missing a trick there by just like road biking and spandex. Aero, aerodynamics, mate. Yeah, that's it. It's got to be, you know, you you can't have any like anything sticking out. Fast. <laughs> not even yeah, not I mean, even hair on your legs, mate. Come on. If you're competitive, I get it. But like, if you're like a weekend warrior, then like you know. Fair enough. Cool. Somebody else want to grab another question? Yeah, I'll go at the, the next one um, from Obviously Blue. Um, he's asking which denim store has the best slash most complete online shop. Um, and he says, I find it really important to find pics of models wearing the jeans, which I absolutely agree with, mm-hmm. uh, and having info of their height, weight, and size when they're wearing them on the, you know, in the pics, um, which is, yeah, as I said, I absolutely agree with it. Um, I've been like researching a few uh, jeans for my next pair. Um, I'm pretty, sh- I'm not sure which side it is. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Den, Den, Denimio. I don't think mm-hmm. they, I'm pretty sure they don't have fit picks on, on the website. Um, so it's, it's very hard for me then to decide if that's actually the fit that I would want or not. Um, so yeah. It depends on the jeans. Um, some of those they do, some of those they don't. They just have so much stuff that like they don't yeah, always. But it they becomes hard, obviously. Yeah. Um, but to answer the question, I think probably Denimio and Okayama Denim are probably the two my two favorite denim stores um, online. Um, just because they have such a huge range, and Okayama Denim, denim especially, like their collaborations and stuff are out of this world there's there's so much cool stuff that that comes from from them so yeah that's probably my main two i'd say like kind of in terms of the style you're looking for each shop is going to cater to a slightly different customer so like you know in terms of okiyama and Denimia, okiyama does kind of slightly more modern cuts 
and like type twos with hand warmer pockets and maybe they're like kind of a little bit more forward thinking that like Ilya's shaking his head <laughs> well, okay then uh well in, in terms of what i see and it's kind of the same for the london stores as well like rivet and hide you know i think they're kind of tiny a little bit more modern um a little mm. bit more kind of like you know they like to get some more experimental stuff while like son of a stag and american classics maybe is that more kind of heritage uh repro they like kind of military repos and stuff like that so kind of figure out what your kind of style is and then you should be able to kind of like pick the right stores uh to kind of suit that style uh, obviously you know you can shop wherever you want i think it's it's tough for all these shops to kind of give as much accurate measurements and stuff because you know stuff comes in uh you know you might get a range of jeans that you know sell out in two or three days before you've managed to take pictures or you know get all the information online um the, the, the reason i was uh, shaking my head tom was yeah. because you said type two with hand warmer pockets i wasn't disagreeing with you but you're like you're wrong <laughs> yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, also was, adding yeah it's worth well, adding would, to the sorry lady go Sorry, um, what I would recommend, I think from what I can see um, in the UK, I think Riven High do a brilliant job of showing measurements and how jeans fit on, on people. Agreed. Um, and I think they have different models. They have slim models. They have um, slightly, you know, average build and athletic build. So you can kind of work out which one you are like and see, okay, this is probably a jean that's going to fit me. Um, stateside, I would probably say Standard and Strange. Um, they post, um, I think, most of their um, jeans with people wearing them. And again, you have different builds there. Um, and I think they give you really good uh, measurement advice. And um, yeah, you can always hit them up and um, and ask them if, you know, is this jean going to work for me? Um, and then I know, for example, Neil is, is pretty much similar to, to me in size. Um, and yeah, I can, you know, I can ask him, is this going to work? And he'll come back and say yes or no. Um, so yeah, th those would be my picks in terms of if you want to look online and see measurements and how jeans fit. I think pretty good to add, um, if I can do is uh, obvious blue, obviously blue, he and his buddy just launched a podcast called the Denim Heads podcast. Um, okay. he's one of the, he's one of the two hosts. Um, I recommend checking it out. I think they're like five or six episodes in, but, um, he was saying in the podcast that he's uh, Switzerland based. So I don't know if we've got a recommendation for like the best, uh, you know, EU or, or, or let's say, uh, Switzerland EU, that's a problem. Um, European based, uh, <laughs> yeah, denim I mean, shop recommendation. Switzerland's got, is it VMC? VMC, yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, don't have an shop. Yeah. Which is... I'm so annoyed about. Yeah, they're really, <laughs> they yeah, they always have a get web, such they, nice stuff. They have a website, but they don't have a, a web store, which I find really bizarre. Um, mm. uh, yeah, Eurowise. Um, to know to know the name in Amsterdam. Yeah, but they're again a little bit more on the modern side, I would say. Yeah, it's the same size with, charts. Same with cultism as well, isn't it? They, oh, yeah, they, they, they have a massive range, and they'll do the more modern side of the denim scene but then also go quite heavily into kind of streetwear and uh, the what would you call it david gorp core but they, they're, <laughs> they're crap about uh they're crap about size charts as well like i've, I've yeah. bought from colton before and they don't they don't really do good sizing info like 
what would you guys recommend for a European shop that's got like good size charts and good fit recommendations? You yeah, it's not in Europe banana. anymore, is it? <laughs> yeah, well, to be honest, I'd yeah, say, I'd you say, can't say anything UK, about it. I'd say some of the UK stores, to be honest, because they will ship to mm. Europe without VAT, and VAT gets removed off the pricing. I thought that's all messed up now with all the Brexit bullshit. I thought, they, no, they, I think they were doing it as a result of Brexit. They were, wow. removed, they were, they were doing certain things. So I think um, I have to double check if you can get on the River at Hyde site to check. But I'm pretty sure they ship to the EU now, uh, minus that. Ah, you know, it's probably a good one to look at. Uh, a couple came, this came to mind. So maybe Meadow and Malmo might be, yeah, might yeah. be a halfway decent one. Also, uh, stuff which is STUF F in um, in Germany might be a good one. Bergen Schild. Um, Isn't there um, one called Fein and Schmidt? or something a german one and they sell quite a like stevenson and pike brothers and bits like that yeah and then red, red cast heritage in spain I and mean, it was yeah. varta and zone but i haven't they oh yeah they, they, they shut it. down yeah oh right sure. all right sounds like there's opportunity That's... here for someone to uh to jump into red cast is a good one yeah european market and do good size charts good fit picks I've just checked quickly on the Riven and Height website, and it, it says, um, yeah, as of Jan the 1st this year, they ship all their orders to the EU through DHL, um, and it's um, taxes and duties paid. So whatever you see on the website as the price, that's what you're paying. You're not going to get hit with any additional taxes or duties or whatever. So that's pretty good. At least you know what you're, what you're paying. So get this, um, I know people hate a lot on uh, American, you know, kind of government decisions, but Obama, when he was in office, put in this like trade agreement thing. So you can basically import anything into the U.S. under 800 U.S. dollars and not pay a single cent of duty. We have the same here in Australia. I think it's like under a thousand um, AUD. So that's pretty good. But a thousand AUD is like fifty euro. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's about that. Uh, that's pretty, pretty we might be, uh, we might be getting free trade with uh, Japan. That's part of Brexit. Yeah, but you what? know that's going to cover really yeah. obscure stuff and not. Uh, yeah, anything. I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be like hentai waifu pillows. And... Yes, they know uh, the market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Finto charcoal inserts yeah, for yeah. your uh, Exa- morning tea. Yeah, that's it. That you know, our government will have messed it up massively. Yeah, for sure. Or have they? If that that's what they want with a waifu pillow. <laughs> what I mean, what would Boris be into? You know, definitely oh, hentai. Mate. Yeah. Come on, you can tell for sure. But uh, I digress. Boris has got uh, manga manga style hair. He is essentially the less we, a, the a the we talk character. about him in this episode, the happier I am. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, screw, screw the Tories. Let's move on. Uh, okay, uh, this will be an interesting one. Dark Lord, aka Master, do you think there is much difference in quality between Real McCoys and Buzz Rickson? And if not, is the price difference worth it? Go for it, Ilya. I think you probably have <laughs> yeah, a bit of experience on jackets. Um, I think it's it's quite a tricky question. I think it also depends on which item you're talking about. Um, I think there are certain items which Buzz will do better than uh, Real McCoys uh, and vice versa. Um, I think 
I don't think there's that much difference between between the two on on the whole. Um, I think where real McCoys are better is probably construction and uh, picking out and um, picking out the details and um, sticking to those details which uh, they're reproducing. So they'll be a little bit more exacting than uh, Bosrickson on on certain items. Um, in terms of fabrics, I think they can be similar, um, but I don't know. I, I, I think real McCoys might be like 10% better or 5% better in some items. Whether it's worth the price bump, I don't think it is. Um, and if, if you have the two same items um, side by side, I think you will find, uh, you know, you'd really have to inspect the item to, to, to find, uh, you know, where, where is that money, extra money going to. Um, in terms of fit, I think um, for me, Buzz is better. Um, I've, 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 I have found that their stuff is a little bit cut, a little bit better to uh, my body shape. Um, but then if you're a little bit shorter, it, you know, real McCoys might work better for you. So it, it, I think, I think there's a very small um, difference in, um, in, in the two. Um, when it comes to the leather jackets, I think real McCoys will probably definitely win that round. Um, but on the whole, yeah, I don't think there's that much in, in it. What do you think, Tom? You've, you've had some experience with, with both. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say Buzz Rickson are probably the truest to what the originals were during, you know, World War II or wherever it was, you know, they're real kind of, everything's got to be exactly the same. And sometimes the case is because it's like a military piece the fabrics and stuff they were using during World War II weren't the most amazing, luxurious fabrics. Uh, so you get that with Buzzricks, you know, it is as true to the original pieces. I think real McCoys do that in a way, but sometimes, you know, they they level up kind of what it is, that piece. So, you know, they will find, you know, a slightly nicer alpaca fur lining for an N1 deck jacket or something like that, you know, a, a finer grade jungle cloth and stuff like that. So it, it can sometimes be the case that real McCoys are a little bit of bump up, whether that's worth the price increase, it's entirely up to you. You know, if you want that, you know, slightly better um, looking piece, then go for it. But yeah, that that's not to say that Buzz Rickson isn't worth every penny for all their jackets. You know, it's, you know, personal preference. Um, I, I can see the reasons why people would like both sides. For me personally, I'd just get Buzz Rickson because I want, as true a piece, you know, if I wanted N1 jacket and N1 deck jacket, then I would get a Buzz Ricks and N1 deck jacket because that's as good a piece. And I think, like, kind of with Buzz Ricks William Gibson range, that's the range that kind of is on that kind of real McCoy's level because they kind of add that little bit more luxury to it. Uh, because like my Buzz Ricks and uh, William Gibson, it's a B29 jacket, it's phenomenal <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful um and i found out it was a real jacket the other day i found like an original one on ebay that comes in like the green jungle cloth and i was like oh it is a real jacket and i just thought it's made up for which is nice <laughs> quick, quick question um so i know real mccoy's they've got their own shops like there's one in london 
where do people go to to see Buzz Buzzricks and stuff? I've I've never actually really looked American at American classics for London. Okay, so the American American classics is the main one in London. Clutch Cafe have them, them as well. No, stack now do it as well. Oh, you're breaking up a bit there, Andy. <laughs> yeah, so Clutch Cafe and American Classics uh, both stock Buzz uh, Rickson in London. Um, which brand no longer in existence would you bring back, and which garment which they made do you miss the most? Um, this, is from this, is, this is sawdust. from Oil and Sawdust, yes. Um, I would say from, I think from the the modern brands, I, I would bring back um, Hellas Cafe, um, which I know Warehouse are still reproducing those garments uh, under their Duck Digger line. Um, but nothing new is coming from that range. Um, and I really liked um, what Larry was doing with, with his pieces. I think um, he was picking out really unique um, uh, designs and, uh, and features for his garments. Um, so that, that would be my choice. Um, which, which item? Um, I would pick the one I have actually, which is the type one uh, from the non-parel um, options, which Warehouse have actually re-released, but yeah, that would, that would be my choice. Um, Tom? Uh, I think kind of the only one that comes to mind is like Rising Sun back when like, you know, they had like all the really cool um, overall stuff. Um, I really loved uh, the like kind of blue and white checked uh, kind of blouse style that they done, which was just like, I yep. see it pop up occasionally and I'm just like, oh man, if I could still get that, <laughs> that would be beautiful. Um, yeah, that, that's probably the one that I'd pick. I bought the um, the old blue co version of mm. that jacket because that you know that's the one I kind of was after and I couldn't find yeah. it. So I thought, okay, let me let me grab that. Yeah, that's yeah, it's it. insanely cool. Yeah, I've got Next. two I'd I'd put in there. Um, first is Jack Spade. So Jack Spade makes man bags basically. Uh, and when they started out, it was literally like you know really tough man bags for you know engineers, mechanics, like. I mean, not professionals, but like, you know, kind of home, uh, like, I don't know, like craftspersons, whatever. And they made really dope, like totes, helmet bags, uh, messenger bags. And I collected a lot of their stuff over the years and they basically just stopped making it. Um, but like really nice leather and wax canvas goods. They were really well made, big fat steel rivets, really great quality. Uh, I'd love to see them come back. And then also, um, uh, I know we talked about it on previous episodes, so I'll keep it brief, but um, obviously Apollos uh, stopping making their chore coats and, and blazers and stuff. Um, I'd love to see them come back because they're just such good garments and so, so unique. Uh, particularly, they did a version of their chore coat in raw denim as part of a collaboration with uh, the website Hookberry. Uh, and I'd love to see them come back just to get my hands on one of those. Oh, I've just thought of another one as well. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of it, but Circle A brand, um, who was just like a one-man maker somewhere in America, um, and he made some like really, really nice uh, kind of like Wabash overalls, uh, caps, had some bandanas, uh, really, really beautiful stuff, and like super, super small batch, and I think he was literally just in a garage kind of collecting sewing machines. 
and it just suddenly stopped one day but all the branding was so on point and it was just like oh if this guy this one guy can make like such an awesome brand maybe i could i remember yeah. that it was, on, it was on kickstarter i think you could probably actually go back and like see his old kickstarter campaign yeah. where he was like crowdfunding the different garments definitely had that kind of like first half of the 1900s kind of vibe to it like yeah. i don't know 1930s 1940s whatever beautiful stuff like absolutely loved it um the one i would probably bring back is um is a brand called atelier la durance which is like a um a dutch denim brand probably like the early 2000s i would say um i've never owned any of their stuff but it was like one of the brands that for a Dutch denim head back in the days so when I started getting into it, it was like, you know, the next kind of thing, like the next level up from what we were wearing and buying at that point. Um, yeah. I never really jumped on it at that time. And then before, before we knew they were, they were gone. Um, so yeah, it was also like a very small, relatively small brand as well. Um, just one guy behind it. Um, but yeah, the, the detailing on the on the back pockets and stuff was was quite unique, and um, they did some cool stuff, some weird stuff as well, which I didn't really like. But they did some cool stuff as well. All the jeans came with like this little um, metal like case yeah. thing that had um, like little needles. So you little, could repair, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the jeans, which was which quite cool. Then. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah, yeah, that's quite interesting. Like. Uh, Rudy had some at Son of a Stag just kind of sitting around that he never put on the shop. Ah, oh, right. Um, he, he might I still have them. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drop an email. I'll be like, oh, do you have those? I'll tell you the durance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they keep popping up every now and then. Like like people like or either Instagram or, or other places, they're like, oh, yeah, found another unworn pair of Ladurons. Like, oh. So they're still around. It's quite cool. I remember but... them. I always thought they were French based in their name. I hadn't realized they were Dutch. Yeah. We do, we do tend to do, like the Dutch tend to do that, like pick brand names that don't sign, sound Dutch. Because like, like Dutch is not necessarily a beautiful language, like, you know, we'd, we'd rather go for something like French or Italian or, or English, you know, because more people will understand it. Uh, I'll, I'll read it out. Uh, so my pal Ben. Hi, Ben. Um, uh, he has asked, if you could do a design collaboration with any brand, who would it be and what would you make? Uh, Andy. So you're live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a tough one, this. I don't know what I would do, to be honest. Um... Let's, re- let's reframe the question. If we could pick a brand to make us denim vests or denim jackets <laughs> oh, with a Sons of Selfish logo on the back, which brand should we pick? I'd, I'd be tempted to say Telesun, just because their stuff's really solid. Like, if you just want kind of a good denim vest, then maybe that'd be good. I just yeah. said Samurai. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like, you know, if you want to go really high end, then yeah, yeah. Samurai would be sound. In there, I, I quite like their 19-ounce denim. That's quite a good fader. That'd be a good one. Oh, um, I'd say, right um, now, yeah. I'd, I'd personally say Black Horse Lane Ateliers just because... Um, you know, we all have personal connections to that brand, either as, you know, friends with the brand. A lot of us have connected um, via that brand. You know, they're a London maker. So I think um, doing something with Black Horse Lane would be really cool. Is this you dropping a secret hint to Han? 
No, no. Um, on that he's going to comment on the next episode. Is he listening? Uh, <laughs> no, on that note, he has confirmed that uh, he's keen to do an interview. So once you line it up, he'll be one of our first guests or, or potentially our first cool. uh, guest. Perfect. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Could even do a collaboration with United Overalls Co. A little small brand. I Whoa. Uh, 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 no shameless self-promotion <laughs> on this show. <laughs> 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 Sons of selfish socks. <laughs> well, if, we're, if we're getting into uh, plugs, I just washed my Hatters Anonymous hat after wearing it pretty much nonstop for a year straight. And it's got some kind of nice fades on it and stuff because it's like, Ilya can describe it better, but it's like a black uh, sulfur dye, I believe, the one I've got. Um, so I'll try and get some photos of it for, for, for you, Ilya. Yeah, we actually we actually hand dye those with uh, black uh, black dye ourselves. Uh, it was a it was an experimental kind of uh, sample, so which which you've got, um, and yeah, they sh- they should fade to a to a white, uh, ecru white color. Yeah, some of it's nice. starting to peek through like a, a lighter gray, almost like a sulfur dyed black jean. Um, but I, I mean, I've pretty much lived in that damn hat for the past year <laughs> so i'll get some good get some photos of it man it's i love it you had to wash them to see I, I had to wash it because it basically smelled like a homeless person <laughs> <'cause> I just, <laughs> it had so much like hair oil in it whatever not not but, a good uh, vibe i think uh, yeah. like an insane collaboration just would be steam snow roll uh, i think they would just do some crazy stuff because um, their stuff's already mad I feel like I could add more madness to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they always come up with interesting stuff, so that would probably be top of my list. Yeah, boy. For me, the one I'd put out there is um, Levi's. I know, and I know you're thinking Levi's sounds boring, but their archive, just have the opportunity to go and visit their archive would be amazing. Like, um, Yeah, I know maybe they're not as exciting as Stevenson, but as I said, you could go and uh, work with like the access at the LV, um, LVC team to have all of these old pieces. Absolutely stunning. So that'd probably what be error would you choice. go for? What error would you go for, Lex, if you were going to bring um, back something? I would, I'd probably go, if you had the access to their archive as old as you can, go, you'd want to see the oldest pieces. So like, you know, 1870s, 1880s pieces, just because, I don't know, there's, where else, you know, where else would you get a chance to see that kind of thing? Um, we know what you really yeah. want to do is to, to riff on the Star Wars denim and do something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be. Star Wars salvage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a lightsaber salvage. <laughs> you just want it neon green again, don't you? It's like, yeah, Luke, no. Luke's uh, here he is again. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't want, I don't want Star Wars jeans. <laughs> Thank you. He wants neon green jeans, though. Yes, he does. <laughs> like Lego jeans. I like how, like, your kind of two favorite colors are either like black pitch black everything has to be black or neon it has to be bright pure neon green or yellow there's, there's no in between with you david is there? <laughs> yeah my entire wardrobe is black indigo or like fluorescent it's like you go through the darkness <laughs> you and then you're blinded by some neon you should try that um you should try to dye a garment in that black you know the blackest black that they ever made have you seen that that they painted that skull or something yeah yeah the stuff that completely absorbs all light yeah nuts that'd be sick yeah it'd be cool 
We'll never see David at night. <laughs> My legs are gone. <laughs> All right, should we get into the discussion topic? Yeah. All right. So today's discussion topic is about reflections on 2020 and kind of hopes and aspirations for 2021. So there's obviously been a bit of a, a mental year uh, with the COVID pandemic, presidential election in the States, uh, Brexit kicking into gear in the UK. So lots of, lots of craziness has happened. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to kind of just do a quick little roundtable on a couple bits. So maybe to kick it off, uh, what's everyone's favorite moment from 2020? That can be uh, denim menswear related or, or not. I mean, it's easy for me becoming a dad. Oh. Yeah, I think Andy and I are probably in the same spot here. Yeah. More humans. Babies. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Oh, you also overalls. can't say anything else. If you do say something else. <laughs> Very far second. I've, I've got one more. I've got one more. Apart from becoming a dad to uh, to my daughter um, this summer, uh, my other favorite moment was early uh, January visit to Japan, um, which was a, a long life dream for me to uh, to go and visit there. Um, so yeah, that that for me was definitely the highlight of uh, of 2020. Um, um, definitely connected with with denim as well, as I got to go into so many different uh, stores and uh, meet different people there. Um, that was that was quite incredible. I've got two quick fire ones. Um, the first is obviously launching this podcast. Um, I remember Kevin and I were talking about it, probably gosh, two, three years ago when we first got our, our, our worn out global slash, I think at the time is also London hardwearing meetup started. Uh, we talked, we joked about doing a podcast. So like to actually pull that off and, and launch that with you guys has been pretty dope and uh, a multi-year dream. So that was really cool. Um, I know when we were at burgers and beer year and a half ago or something like that, we really kind of got fired up to make it happen. So that's pretty cool. The other one for me is um, I've got four rescue cats and I think they're probably about six years old and we brought them into our home when they were about a year old. Um, and literally they're probably five or six now age wise. And just this year, they've all four finally become domestic. So they're now like the coolest, friendliest, like domestic house cats. But when we took them in, they were completely feral. Uh, and so just a shout out to like the potential to, um, to take in a feral cat and like turn it into a domestic cat. That's really cool. It's a pretty long process though. I wasn't expecting it would take that long. Did you expect like five? Yeah. There's it no one outside them. for them to attack. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like one, one of them, she took about a year to sort of become domestic, but one of them he's literally held out till like the past month or two. But what's yeah, interesting right. is um, they don't bite. They don't scratch. They don't hiss. I mean, they're literally like the kindest, friendliest, gentle animals. I think it's probably because they realized like how shit it was living outside in our back gardens and like how mm -hmm. much of a good life they've got. So I don't know, maybe in some ways, um, though it's been a long process, they're really appreciative of, of the life we've given them. That's awesome. All right. Well, mine, uh, my biggest moment of 2020 was our big road trip we did in end of October, start of November. Um, obviously, super, super grateful that we have been able to do that. 
Um, it was in between two lockdowns here in Australia. Um, but in general, like the whole C virus um, is not as bad over here as it is in Europe and in the US and stuff. So we, we can move pretty freely. Um, it's just that they shut the state borders every now and then, uh, which happened around that time, but we were lucky enough to be able uh, to, uh, to set off. So we'd driven 6,000 kilometers in about three weeks time from the south of Australia to the north. And yeah, saw the most amazing scenery, animals. Um, yeah, it was just absolutely amazing. Um, and I'd recommend to anyone who ever visits Australia to, to at least visit the, the Red Center, like Uluru and all that kind of area. Um, Cause it's absolutely, absolutely stunning. It's like you're walking on Mars, basically. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Um, so that's that was the the big highlight. Um, and the other thing as well is um, in October I started the Indigo Invitational fading competition. Um, so I bought my first ever pair of Momotaros, um, and I started wearing those on the first of of October. Um, so obviously did three months in in 2020, and now we're almost four months in. Um, fades are still relatively slow. Um, I can see some fades coming through, like whiskers and honeycombs have, have set in now. Um, I can see my phone slowly popping through. Um, but um, if I see other people post things and they're like absolutely insane already after four months, I'm like, I've got absolutely no chance. But it's not about winning, you know, it's about the journey, it's about the community. Um, yeah, like I think I mentioned this before, but I've um, signed up to a Facebook group, which is around the fading comp as well. Um, and there's so many, there's, I think there's about between five and 600 people um, taking part in the competition. So it's quite a lot, a lot of first time people, but also a lot of um, like hardcore veterans who've been around for a while. Um, but yeah, there's, there's just so many people I've, I've met through, through that um, Facebook group that, you know, you just never, never see before. Um, Cause you know, with the whole like Instagram algorithms and things like that, you always tend to see the same people anyway. Um, so yeah, that was, that was really cool. Um, just to find out that the community is, is actually a lot bigger than you think it is, you know? Um, and the other thing as well, which is, which is awesome to see is there's a lot of women uh, in the competition or not a lot, but there's women in the competition. So it's uh, it's cool to see because uh, there's not a lot of like raw denim for women. So a lot of them are wearing men's jeans. Um, so it's really cool to see how they fade um, on a women's body. Um, and it'll be cool to see at the end of the race to see uh, yeah how, how it's different to um, to the men who've, who've fed it's similar, uh, similar jeans. So yeah, that's, that's it for me. Uh, so for me, uh, been a couple of highlights this year. Um, I'm on a personal level. I've sold my house, but uh, which was obviously quite cool. But denim related, um, there was the global denim hang, um, which I was lucky to be part of the first one doing my uh, my denim pub quiz. So that was quite a cool thing to to be part of. Um, and it's quite nice to kind of see the global denim community come together. Um, and especially as that was just kind of coming out of the first lockdown in the UK when 
I think the only thing people have been doing for the last four months with pub quizzes. So to, to kind of get to do a denim one with, uh, with all these people, that was quite cool. And then secondly, another thing I've been doing is for another project I'm doing, oh, part of my uh, master's, I've got to speak to and interview loads of people in the denim industry. So I've been kind of, yeah, Tom was one of them. So um, it's been really good. I've got to speak to, uh, you know, a variety of people, ranging from like high street designers to um, manufacturers to fabric suppliers to all these really interesting people. So I've met loads of new people who I've not spoke to before. Um, and actually, which I can't say names because um, everyone had to, it's all supposed to be confidential because it's university work. But I spoke to some really, really cool people. So it's been a really good year, actually, in, in some ways, despite all the crap that's going on in the world. Um, there has been some positive things that are happening. So, yeah, that's me. Uh, who, who else? I guess just me left. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, this, this year has been really good. Uh, obviously, like, starting started the brand last year uh which you know the kind of initial launch was really good and then brexit happened uh and then covid happened <laughs> so you know kind of stuff slowed down um but then kind of the latter half of this year has been really good um you know things have kind of quickened up i started making face masks uh i was on the global denim hang part two with uh, me and chris hewitt so that was really fun and uh you know good to watch all the videos of all the Japanese uh, manufacturers like at three in the morning, which was <laughs> quite interesting. Uh, yeah. And then we got some socks manufactured as well, which was pretty insane. Um, so yeah, they're probably my highlights of the year. Like most of my year has just been sitting at home, furloughed um, kind of latter half of this year. I got a new job. Um, so it's interesting not being in retail and actually having to work in lockdown uh, which oh, sucks. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're probably my highlights. Definitely. All right. And I guess um, COVID is probably the obvious answer, but outside of that, what's everyone's sort of biggest disappointment uh, from 2020 or, or kind of, yeah. I'll kick that one off if, if that's right. Um, well, for me, the, it is COVID-related, um, which is obviously in a year that we had hard to avoid, as you mentioned. Um, but I think like the biggest disappointment for me was flying down to Melbourne to go and see the Formula One race, being all excited, and then it got cancelled on the Friday and the race was on the Sunday. And we had weekend tickets, so we were supposed to go on the Friday as well, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, but yeah, that, that got cancelled due to COVID, which was one of the first big events that got cancelled due to the whole thing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a huge disappointment. I know ne I've never been to the formula one before. Um, so yeah, it, it's, um, it was, it was huge, hugely disappointing, but, you know, having said that we had a, had an amazing weekend. We, we went with 10, 10 of our mates, I think. So um yeah it was it was still still an awesome weekend but um yeah no formula one and it looks like it's been postponed again this year to the end of the season so yeah i'm not sure if if that's going to happen but we'll see yeah just the, the lack of travel for, from my point of view that's been uh the biggest disappointment uh i know it's quite a, a selfish kind of thing but um yeah i've just missed really traveling to different places and um 
discovering you know new foods and new sites and things like that how about you tom not being able to go to the pub with you guys <laughs> uh yeah just like you know socializing uh no holidays this year um which yeah as earlier said probably isn't the worst thing um i don't know anyone you know personally who's been massively affected by covid um so obviously you know those who have um probably in a bit of a worse position than we are um and fingers crossed you know nothing happens in the future and we'll all get our jabs and be able to go for a beer in the future so yeah fingers crossed yeah i think uh for me it's it's um i i, def- I think i'm an int- uh not introvert sorry an extrovert and like for me i get energy from being around people um but because of uh like family needs around you know uh the pandemic and stuff, I basically haven't really hung out with any friends or family in person since almost a year now straight. Uh, and just missing that kind of like that energy from, from friends and family. So I can't wait till uh, I get to see you bastards in, in person again. Yeah, the same for me. Um, similar to David, you know, I've got a, I've got a 10 month old child. So who, who was born just before lockdown kicked or as lockdown kicked in so i've not been able to you know we've not been able to see friends we've not been able to uh see family i haven't seen my parents face to face since last year in fact probably like 2019 um no friends all over the country not been able to see them you know and and, you know in in the time since you know i recently found out that one of my friends had passed away um so i didn't even you know last time i saw him was probably 2017 2016 um uh so yeah it, it's that kind of disconnect from everyone and as connectors we all are through social media you still miss stuff constantly and it will never match the face-to-face connection that you have when you see people so yeah that's been a huge impact um and you know my, my, my wife in particular has felt it as she's been stuck inside um with the added uh drain of maternity leave which kind of is similar for people on furlough she's not even speaking to people on a daily basis outside of me and the gurgles of a, of a small infant you know the best she's got is, is what's up so the whole the whole thing about this 2020 has just been the massive toll that it has had on um people's mental health has been the big bad point for me i guess looking to the to the to the future to 2021 you know we're a couple weeks in uh what are folks uh most excited about uh for this year having a beer (laughs) yeah a (laughs) slow that slow uh shift into normality yeah, I think it'll yeah. take a bit of time. Like, oh yeah, 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 at the least late summer because you gotta like have the vaccine jab and then wait two or three months to get the next one. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, and and like out of all of us, we're not gonna, we probably won't even see the vaccine until twenty twenty two because we're yeah. all, we're far too low down in the uh, in the the priority levels. Um, I don't know what it's like for you, Kevin, over in Australia, but over here they've done it very much age based starting with the the oldest first mm-hmm. so you know we're all kind of in our you know what the late 20s late 20s to kind of early 40s in our little group so 
it's just we're all going to miss it really it, it needs to go to the kind of people who you know the priority patients um but yeah and, and to be honest we've just got to be honest we're going to expect another lockdown or more restrictions this time next year yeah i think the the big thing just to throw it out there is um it's it, it's it's such a big question about whether the vaccine is actually going to like do the job versus like all these different mutations happening. Whether they'll it'll just kind of like it'll become like the flu where we live with it long term. The viruses are all focused on the spike proteins, aren't they? So not it's not like when you have a flu vaccine or you know uh, a vaccine for any other disease uh, where you actually receive a weakened or a dead in a version of the virus in this it is purely the proteins that it's targeted so the theory is with that is that it will get more variants if not all of them obviously probably won't get all because there will be some that will have different spike proteins um or slight tweaks to them but it should get the vast majority of them the same at the moment you know we've got this um the the kind of this south africa variant that they've been referring to and there's the brazil variants that are coming in um they should all be captured by this vaccine because the virus, while the virus is mutated, these spike proteins are so integral to its makeup that really it should be able to capture them or at least provide uh, some level of protection against them. Anybody else? Aspirations, excitements uh, for 2021, plans, stuff you're looking forward to? It's hard to plan, isn't it? It's hard to mm. be excited or plan for anything at the moment, to be honest. So I think you just have to look for the small wins and, uh, you know, spending time yeah. with your family uh enjoy enjoying the things that you can um and sticking to good routines and trying not to fall into bad habits i think um i'd you know yeah. i'd, I'd I mean, love yeah, to I mean, go, yeah i agree there i'd love to you know love to say no oh, sorry i was agreeing sorry andy um well, you know <laughs> he, agrees. Was, <laughs> he agrees with <laughs> I agree too. My name's. Let Foster. me finish. Will you let me finish. Will you please let me finish. <laughs> okay, I finish. Yes. <laughs> I, I would love to, you know, book a holiday and plan for something like that, or you know, to go away and, and do things. But you just don't know at the moment. So I think you just have to hang tight and um, and see what happens uh, over the next uh, six yeah. months. Um, and then, and at that point, we can um, start thinking about being excited for 2021 um yeah the only yeah my only big things bar obviously the relax relaxation of of lockdown and the tears is this should be the year that my son says his first word and starts walking yay so yeah i've got two little let it be let it be denim yeah (laughs) (laughs) selvage i I really doubt it 316 makes those little uh toddler or uh, like kid jeans, right? Oh, mate, they've got them. TCB have the little <laughs> denim um, dungarees. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Dungarees, yeah. That's so cool. cost just awesome. as much as the adult ones. It's fine. <laughs> it's worth it. Just, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, a big aspiration just to kind of build on the uh, idea of like friends, extroversion, whatever, is uh, getting our, our in-person monthly meetups going again. Mm-hmm. Um, can't wait till we can actually just like kick it at a pub and drink some beer and geek out about denim yeah my new office is pretty much down the road from clutch cafe nice so uh, awesome. you know, if they ever do a party in the future then i'll, I'll be 
once again the early bird there <laughs> even earlier it'll be during opening times <laughs> i'll be like hi guys uh right, we're not year, open yet we're yeah. not open yet get, <laughs> Just on the get door, out like, where's, where's my free beer <laughs> um yeah this year i kind of want to start moving things ahead with united overalls uh gonna work with lex uh, and do some hopefully nice. do some kind of like turn of the century 1930s style kind of waist overalls. Uh, so maybe like suspender buttons, cinch back, uh, loads of like you know fancy little stitching details. So uh, I imagine Lex can help me with that. I'm uh, pretty sure I can. Because my my problem is I just I don't know anything about designing. So <laughs> I go yeah I've got <laughs> this idea. Uh, how 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 do I do that? <laughs> well that's where I like come a... in. Then. Is it like a field denim collab or is it more like Lex sort of consulting for United overalls? Yeah. Kind of like consulting. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you do cool. want to do a collaboration in the future. Lex. Yeah. That's uh, well, that's it. I think now it's just you wanting to do some new shape. So I'll cut and possibly sample. I guess it depends uh, what you want doing and just basically help him, help him envisage his, uh, his ideas really. My dreams. Kind of, yeah. Your dreams what i do other people dream it and i make it so um <laughs> you are the... it'll be it'll be interesting it'll be fun um and hopefully like yeah when as when the world goes back to normal we'll be able to start doing that and do work with more people so yeah yeah it's a bit hard doing it over zoom isn't it yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, the, I think um... yeah go on. sorry go ahead yeah i was about to say i'll probably use like the uh cotton linen fabric uh which i think would be quite nice for like that kind of style yeah fingers crossed just to tie it back to menswear a bit, um, since you guys are kind of in that space anyways, uh, I guess maybe to finish it off, is there any sort of like acquisitions uh, or, or, or things that folk, like what, what are folks most excited to potentially get your hands on this year, uh, clothing wise? Oh, my white boots. <laughs> that should be arriving in the next week or two. Sign times. Yeah, uh, I ordered get? them. I got a pair of their um, MP1 Shermans with the half sole. Awesome. So I grabbed it during the um, their Black Friday sale where they had like 20% off either through them or through Baker's Boots, um, which is actually effectively their de facto web store. Um, and uh, yeah, I went through there and I uh, kind of agonized over what I wanted. Uh, and I went for a pair of them in the end with uh, in um, cinnamon wax flesh. And they That's are... Spicy. Yeah, a little bit, a little, little bit of that spice to keep me going. Um, yeah, they should be arriving. Well, they, I think they should. They're in London somewhere at the moment, um, according to um, tracking. So yeah, once they uh, they get through customs, and I undoubtedly pay through the nose to get them released. Uh, yeah, I'll have, have them. I, uh, I I kind of earlier in the year I sold off my Wolverine a thousand miles and my red wing iron rangers um so i because I, I kind of felt that I, I didn't need two pairs of brown boots and i was wanting to kind of up my boot game again um and it just seemed like the, the kind of for me the, the the best thing to do was to go for something like white or wesco yeah so i think they, on the boot on the boot front my Ambition, although I probably don't actually have the money to do it, but would be to get a pair of Aldens in Color 8 shell, mm -hmm. either like a plain toe or maybe even like an indie boot in Color 8 shell. Uh, and also, I, I really love uh, a lot of the Aldens that are in the snuff suede. 
So like okay, yeah, Plato yeah. boot or indie boot as well in the Smith suede, but that's like $1,200 US worth of boots. So probably not going to happen. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's a little dream. Well, I mean, if you buy Shell, you're talking 750 US for Shell yeah. Porter plus, or in, in a regular pair of Aldens that are not Shell are probably like 400, 500 US. So boy can dream, probably won't happen. But, yeah. uh, you never yeah. know. So I'll, I'll be, I'm, I'm waiting for my Flame Panda uh, combat boots to come in. Um, and it looks like that will be in March now. There was a slight delay on that. Um, so those will be in the uh, Mariam um, natural horse bar leather. Um, they're an uh, eight-inch boot. Um, so looking forward to those. Um, I was speaking to Penn uh, earlier this week about them. Um, and uh, decided to change the last a little bit to a better um, to a better shape. Um, so yeah, those will be in March. And I'm also waiting for a pair of... Uh, uh, Ui Yafukatun uh, mechanics overalls in uh, Ecru. Uh, so that will be my first Ecru pair of um, uh, pants or trousers, whatever you want to call them. So oh, yeah. looking forward to them for springtime. Get some nice uh, grass stains on the knees. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. New, new father <laughs> with, with uh, Ecru. That's a uh, brave man. Sticky yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. stains. <laughs> Yeah, I have been I have been washing my jeans uh, more this uh, last few months because of my daughter and uh, and vomiting. Shit happens, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I gave I gave up on trying to get high contrast stains uh, fades with my uh, studio Darzans. I managed to get I think I managed to get two months of wear without a wash, and then it's just like this baby sick or food. Yeah, it's, you just gotta accept it. Yeah, it's all it's it's all about the high contrast uh, stains now, <laughs> as you said. Yeah. <laughs> new trend, new trend. Aside here, guys. <laughs> you guys just need to buy some dad jeans and be done with it. I have got like oh, a so couple comfortable. of. I've got like a couple of like little bleach dots where like you know I clean the house and stuff, and just like little bits will fall on there. So yeah, I think this is a new trend, guys. I've got my oh, own six stain on my jeans from after the pub. after each denim meetup yeah (laughs) Uh, i kind of want a type 2 jacket this year um so i'll probably go tcv so i probably think they're the best value and really good construction um so fingers crossed lined or unlined unlined i've got a blanket lined type 3 like original levi's biggie um so yeah i want it kind of just as a summer um and i've never had denim jacket from you i've realized i've always gotten second hand off people um mm. so this would be like the first one where i can like you know fade it from start to finish so fingers crossed nice. See what hand, warmers? hand warmers or not oh no 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 tcb don't do hand warmers. No, 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 no. We're, we're like all sitting here shaking no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, yeah I, to be honest like it, it kind of the times that i'm wearing a denim jacket will be warmer so i don't usually yeah right and like you know i'll have like a t-shirt underneath and you know kind of like rock that you know could i like during the summer you know when it gets colder in the evening just whack the denim jacket over and it's fine mm-hmm. yeah yeah don't see the need for hand warms on a type two there you go anything for you lex uh not really the one thing i would quite like to get at some point is a blanket line type one um 
but there's very few of them out there. Um, and I know Ilya's got one. Is it the warehouse one you've got? I do indeed. Um, which is a nice jacket, but incredibly expensive. Um, so a kind of long term, that's the one thing I'm looking for, but probably won't be this year. Because I've also got, which I'm wearing now, my um, PBJ Type 2, which I kind of want to get a bit more wear, uh, a bit more wear out of anyway. So, um, yeah, long term, that's about it, really. Otherwise, there's nothing. I kind of bought everything I wanted last year when I was bored in lockdown uh, online. So at the moment, I've not got anything in particular I'm looking for, but I'm sure I will at some point soon. I think otherwise, really, it's like just getting some basics, isn't it? Yeah. And that's, that's all I'm really going to do is focus on maybe clearing out a few of my band tees and replacing them with some kind of better, some high quality plain ones. Yeah, I was to like grab a couple in the January sale, but there wasn't a lot to be honest. No, I was um, looking at Henleys. Yeah, I was like browsing through, and I, you know, I've got this Simon James Cathcart one coming. Um, but apart from that, like, I didn't really see any. You know, there's loads of like kind of like patterns ones from like Beams Plus and stuff that goes on sale. Um, Armor Lux is always a good shout for plain tees uh, made in France yeah, and like quite a nice thick. Uh, fabric but you know they don't do henley's which is what i was looking at at the time so the, yeah uh, the, really white, struggled. the whitesville tees are really nice they're uh, it's a toyo enterprise brand so very good fit really kind of mid-weight cotton um yeah and not that expensive if you buy kind of direct mm. let's give them a shout yeah, I've had my eyes on some of those 316 tees. They've got like longer length ones on their website. So I think they're not necessarily the longest shirts normally. So that might be something I'd try out this year. Yeah, are you looking at the any particular colorway? Black or indigo. Okay, with the indigos, make sure just be aware they shrink as, yeah. uh, as I found. They do, yeah. The black yeah. ones don't seem to shrink as much as the uh, the white and the indigo ones. No, I've I've got grey ones that have kept their shape and size, but the indigo ones, the moment I washed them, they uh, they shrank. Yeah, so I'm down with uh, uh, shrink to fit jeans, but something about shrink to fit tops, it just doesn't sit well. I, You'll I end know. up looking like a, an work. extra out of fame. Okay, I have no clue what that is. <laughs> Think uh, 80s aerobics videos. Oh, like the Key and Pure I, one? Crop top. Yeah. 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 yeah, crop, yeah, cropped sweaters. Oh, Lord. Ankle warmers. And then a oh, neon headband. Well uh, neon head <laughs> <laughs> I'm down with the colors. But uh, yeah, I should just get a Parisian night suit instead. All right. I have no idea what one of those is, but it sounds kinky. <laughs> if you, if yeah. you've ever watched, yeah, it's like, those like, dis- there's like disco onesies. Tell me more. Um, I was just watching Freaks and Geeks uh, on Channel 4, which if you guys haven't watched it, go back and watch it. Uh, It aired about like, I think 2000-ish, 2001. It's got like Seth Rogen and a bunch of like that whole crew before they were famous. Um, Really, really good show. And uh, randomly, James Franco basically looks like he's a denim head in it, unintentionally. Um, But yeah. It's it's from one episode of that, but uh, it's on, it's for free to watch on Channel Four. So check out uh, Freaks and Geeks. I had a good laugh at it. Um, cool. Anybody else want to add anything, or should we wrap up here? Let's wrap it up. Yeah, it up. Good, man. yeah. yeah All right. Up. Let me do the little uh, outro spiel here. 
So uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening to us through uh, 2020, our, our first six episodes, and this first episode from 2021. Um, obviously, please give us a, a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, please follow us on Instagram at Sons of Selvage Podcast. Um, and free, feel free to uh, message us with stuff you'd like to talk about in future episodes. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, for a good first year. And uh, looking forward to a whole another year of podcast together. Sweet peace. See you all. <laughs> awesome. Bye. <All> right. <laughs> cool. Good Thanks, one, everybody. Uh, yeah, have good a good weekend, guys, and speak soon. Yeah. Bye, bye, guys. See you, mate. See you, guys. See bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>